This podcast is designed to provide helpful information on the subjects discussed and should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical condition. For diagnosis or treatment of any medical problem, consult your own licensed physician or healthcare provider. Welcome to Prostate Cancer Aware. I'm Jonathan Chance. On this episode, we continue with part two of my interview with Dr. Gregory Merrick, who is an internationally recognized uro-oncology expert and the director of the Urologic Research Institute at the Ohio University Medical School. On our previous episode, Dr. Merrick provided us with important information about prostate cancer, the early detection tests, and the PSA test. On this episode, we'll be talking with Dr. Merrick about the prostate biopsies, active surveillance, and some of the treatment options for prostate cancer. Now, here is part two of my interview with Dr. Gregory Merrick. Dr. Merrick, let's talk about the biopsies. Now, I've heard from many men who have told me because they had an elevated PSA, their urologist had them bend over in order to do a quick transrectal biopsy. However, there's another type of biopsy that you do, which is called the transperineal. Tell us about these two biopsies and how they are done and the risk factors. Well, when transrectal ultrasound biopsies came available, it was a huge advance because prior to that, the biopsies were just done with digital guidance. Fell a nodule when you try to hit it with a needle, which wasn't always very successful. So transrectal ultrasound biopsies were a huge advance but that now is also going out of favor. And the reason is you can't easily biopsy all aspects of a gland. And you miss prostate gland get cancer in up to 35, 40% of cases. And now with antibiotic resistance, there's a much greater chance of developing infections, including sepsis and the need for hospitalization. So at our institution, I basically converted our institution from transrectal the transperineal probably seven or eight years ago when we completely stopped doing transrectal. Transperineal enters uh, in the area between the scrotum and the anus down between the legs. You have much clearer access to the prostate gland, being able to biopsy every nook and cranny if need be. And importantly, the chances of serious infection, including sepsis, are virtually zero. And we should point out, because I know the first thing going through Guy's mind is, am I awake for that? But you're not for a transperineal biopsy. Well, transperineal biopsies can be done in two ways. They can be done with IV sedation, which most patients choose. Um, they get an IV, they basically go to sleep, they feel nothing, and you know they wake up a half hour later and, uh, and everything's fine. It can also be done in the clinic with local anesthesia, uh, almost like how a dentist may numb up your tooth, of numbing up the area there with a, a lidocaine solution, and that also works well. What is a targeted biopsy then? Well, a targeted biopsy is if we have an MR and we have a normal digital rectal exam, and on the MR we see one or two or three specific areas that have an abnormality. We will target those areas for biopsy and more intent biopsies than what we would do. 
The controversy now comes is that when you do that, should you still randomly biopsy other parts of the gland or is the targeted enough? And my bias is I still do random biopsies because the MR misses about 15% of cancers. And even if we see that, sometimes we'll get a higher Gleason score outside of the targeted area. The targeted, at least in my opinion, are much easier to do with a transperineal approach because you have better uh, visualization and access to the gland. You mentioned MR just for our listeners. Uh, You're talking about uh, when you do the MRI? Yes. Do an MRI and you have an abnormality and these are are graded PRADs one to five. One and two is normal, three is equivocal, and four and five are highly suggestive of prostate cancer. But if you have that MR, you will then target those abnormalities, almost like a woman with a mammogram. You know, you don't go in and biopsy the whole breast. You biopsy where the mammogram was uh, abnormal. Now, I remember after my biopsy, you not only gave me the results of what you found, but you also gave me what's called a Gleason score. And we hear that all the time. Explain for our listeners, what is that? Well, a Gleason score is a measure of the aggressiveness of prostate cancer. And the scores range from six to 10, with six being the absolute slowest and 10 being the most aggressive. So it's a measure of aggressiveness. It's a predictor of how lethal the cancer could be. And true Gleason 6 should never be treated. That is active surveillance. And let's talk about that because many men are afraid if a doctor determines based on a biopsy they have prostate cancer, that automatically means they're going to have to have treatment. So let's talk about active surveillance and why men should not panic if they have a biopsy and the doctor does discover the presence of prostate cancer. What we've done in the diagnosis of prostate cancer, it used to be biopsy, diagnose prostate cancer, and treat. We've now uncoupled that. It is still important to biopsy and know what we're dealing with, but then we should be treating patients that truly need treatment. But if you truly have a Gleason 6, Gleason 6 doesn't spread, doesn't kill. So there's no reason to treat it. And all that we can do with treatment is cause complications, urinary bowel or sexual. So those very slow-growing prostate cancers, uh, in my opinion, will eventually no longer be called cancers. Uh, There'll be some other fancy term. Um, But we stopped treating Gleason 6 prostate cancer somewhere around 2011. And of men who did active surveillance uh, in our most recent publication, approximately 94% remained free of any therapeutic intervention at a median follow-up of about seven years. A lot of men are also afraid if they are diagnosed with prostate cancer, it means removal of the prostate gland. But that's not always the case, correct? That's never the case. Uh, Surgical removal is an option in selected men, but there's no single case or single presentation where surgical removal is the only option. Uh, The other options are external beam radiation therapy, IGRT, SBRT, which is computer-delivered high-dose external beam radiation therapy, brachytherapy via either the implantation of uh, radioactive seeds or temporary implants uh, with radioactive sources. Um, There's other options to include cryosurgery, which we reserve for salvage, not for upfront, but 
Some people do do it up front. Uh, there's treatments such as HIFU, which I'm not a big fan of, again, for cure, but I think it may have a role in, in, in focal therapies. Uh, and when I say not in cure, whole gland uh, uh, treatment, but it may have an, uh, a role in treating uh, focal, meaning sub-glandular um, uh, uh, volumes. Now, I know you told me the earlier prostate cancer is discovered, the less severe, if you need treatments, they will be, and the greater your chances are for survival. Is this why you feel early detection tests like the PSA are so important? Absolutely. Early detection is the key. There's no cure for for metastatic disease. We have treatments that improve survival and quality of life, but but there's no cure. So I think early diagnosis is essential. But as we have discussed, we've uncoupled diagnosed with treatment. Just because you're diagnosed with prostate cancer doesn't necessarily mean you have to be treated. You know, yet you still have to know what you're dealing with so that we don't make mistakes. Um, and in higher Gleason scores, yes, the treatment becomes multimodality and it does become more substantial. Dr. Merrick, is there anything a men can do with diet and exercise changes that can help reduce the risk for prostate cancer? Well, I do think there is. I think being heart healthy is always prostate healthy. Anything's good for your heart is good for your prostate. Uh, being in the, the optimal physical condition, um, not consuming tobacco products or drugs, including cannabis products, uh, alcohol in moderation, uh, a heart healthy, high fiber, low fat diet, aerobic exercise daily, resistance training three times per week, Those are things that can only help your overall health. And finally, Dr. Merrick, I was unaware, and I almost died from prostate cancer, and so I hope by interviewing uh, doctors such as yourself, we can make men aware. But I want guys to know that what we've been talking about, this is strictly for information purposes only, not intended as a cure or to diagnose any disease or symptoms. Always see a licensed physician or healthcare provider I think that's extremely important. You know, this podcast is an informational vehicle. It's not a diagnostic and doesn't take the place of seeing your physician. Dr. Merrick, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I'm so honored to have you on Prostate Cancer Aware. Once again, thank you for being our guest. Well, it's my honor, and I congratulate you on this extremely important venture. Thank you so much. Again, we've been talking to Dr. Gregory Merrick who's an internationally recognized uro-oncology expert and the director of the Urologic Research Institute at the Ohio University Medical School. I really hope you enjoyed my two-part interview with world-renowned uro-oncologist Dr. Gregory Merrick, who provided us with valuable information about prostate cancer, early detection, the PSA test, active surveillance, the prostate biopsies, and some of the treatment options for prostate cancer. Now, if you'd like more information about prostate cancer, men's health, and my new book, Unaware, which is about my battle with prostate cancer, visit our website at www.iknowmypsa.org. Once again, I want to thank Dr. Gregory Merrick for taking time out of his busy schedule to do this two-part interview with me for Prostate Cancer Aware. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Chance. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, stay aware and stay 
healthy. This podcast is designed to provide helpful information on the subjects discussed and should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical condition. For diagnosis or treatment of any medical problem, consult your own licensed physician or healthcare provider.